This is the Power of Genetics podcast, the podcast designed to help visionary practitioners build a more successful practice, transform more lives, and lead their patients into the future of personalized health. In each episode, I'll interview successful practitioners and leading thought leaders who will share their insights and expertise to help you prepare your practice for what lies ahead. I'm your host, Dr. Yael Jaffe, and now let's get into today's episode. A big welcome to James Maskell, who is joining me today. Uh, James and I have been both colleagues and friends for many, many years and have watched each other grow um, through the industry and in the industry. So a big welcome, James, and thank you for joining us here today. Great to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Excellent. So, James, I rather than read out bios or CVs or resumes, if you don't mind, I think what would be really helpful is if we can just start telling everyone a little bit about you. I know a little bit of your journey, but I'm not sure everyone else does. So if you can tell how you are the first guest I've had who is not a MD or an RD or a practitioner, but has a huge, huge impact in healthcare and what is happening to us. So if you can tell us a little bit about how you landed up where you are and a little bit about the work that you are doing. Yeah, happy to. So I would say the sort of journey to get here starts with being like the weird kid who grew up on a commune and did natural medicine and just really being all in that world with a homeopath and a chiropractor and a holistic dentist, you know, in the 1980s and realizing when I went to school that that was not normal or that was not the way that everyone, anyone else that I knew did their healthcare. And then um, I ended up doing a degree in health economics uh, when I went to university and realizing that we were, in my lifetime, going to bankrupt every major economy in the world on the back of rising healthcare costs. And so I had a sort of a rebellious phase where I thought I needed to be an investment banker and just quit really quickly because this, this question just kept on coming up. Like, was there something in my weird childhood that could inform, you know, this journey to really understand how to flatten the curve of healthcare costs, if you want to use a, a term that we're all familiar with now. And so that led me to just start on this, this journey to follow this thread. It started 16 years ago. And in the last 16 years, I, I ran a clinic, I sold to practitioners in the integrative and functional medicine space. And then in 2014, uh, nine years into it by then, um, having gone to hundreds of conferences and put on events and spoken to practitioners, I uh, started a show called The Functional Forum, mainly because I, I recognized, and this is sort of goes to the point, is you know, if, if we're really going to control healthcare costs, we need to have the vast majority of the population well and healthy. It was chronic disease that was driving these explosive increases in costs. And so uh, I really saw with functional medicine that it was much better designed for lifestyle-driven chronic disease. And so I would say uh, my work since then has been to popularize functional medicine amongst doctors and in the last few years really focus on what are the structures that we could design that could keep much larger groups of the population healthy in an efficient enough way to achieve that goal. Well, that raises a few things for me. So before we get to the work you're doing now, I just want to go back to functional forum because one of the things you just said, which I, you know, I've never really understood maybe 
the context of your work or try to summarize all the work that you've done because you're always doing so many things. But I loved what you just said about being able to kind of popularize it. And I, if I remember back to, to Functional Forum where it was the first time where I ever perceived there was a community around functional medicine. And this wasn't just a community when I went to an IFM conference once a year in America. This was a global community where I was suddenly realizing that there were practitioners around the corner from me, down the road from me, who felt the same way I did about changing medicine and changing nutrition that I could connect with. So because for me, that was your first big, not that there wasn't a significant impact before that, but where you really started redefining the way practitioners connected with each other. And we, st- we started having a different conversation around medicine. Yeah, well, you know, my role as a sales rep before then really clued me into the fact that there were a lot of different practitioners because I was calling on them and then they didn't really know each other. Like I would go into these calls and I would say, hey, so do you know Dr. Smith? Because he's doing really cool work in rheumatology and functional medicine. And they'd be like, no, I've never heard of him. And so I realized like there was this there was this whole network of practitioners that were all very isolated. And once a year they would get together in conferences, but they never get together. So it started as a meetup in New York for doctors. And I would call all my contacts. I'd been there for like six years. And that's how I got the first functional forum going was I just literally called like 250 doctors and 70 ended up coming. And that was the first episode. But also we realized that we didn't want to just create community in New York. We wanted to create community everywhere. And Within a year, through you know luck and judgment and effort and thinking and a mix of all those things, you know we had set up a structure whereby practitioners all around the country and then all around the world could get together once a month in their local community and watch content live from New York, which is where we did the show. And there was just so much amazing talent in New York, and and then doctors would fly in because you know we were getting ten, twenty thousand practitioners to watch the show, and the biggest conference was like a thousand, so everyone wanted to speak on the stage, and you know IFM got excited about this idea, and by the middle of 2015 we had 400 meetups around the country, like in Manila, in the Philippines, um, in South Africa, in England, all across America, and it was really I think the first time that we. We had really tried to introduce practitioners doing different variations of this medicine to each other. And I'm actually probably the thing I'm most proud of is, is facilitating that because so many benefits accrued to so many people, some of which I know about and most of which I know nothing about. And that's really exciting. I know so many like practices have been started and partnerships formed and team members connected and uh, referral relationships uh, created. So that was um, that was one thing that we we did with the functional forum, and then you know slowly but surely, having now interviewed thousands of practitioners through our concierge calls and podcasts and whatever, just really started to really deeply understand like what is holding back this medicine from becoming the standard of care? What is holding back? doctors from making the switch to practice medicine that reverses chronic disease? What is holding back health systems from adopting functional medicine at scale inside their organizations? And, um, you know, as we learn... What is that answer? (laughs) You kind of set that one up, right? So tell us, I mean, more than anyone, I think you're perfectly suited to help us understand, like, what are those obstacles and challenges that we're all facing that are holding us back from, from really making it the standard of care? If there's one word, it's friction. 
right? There's a lot of friction at every level. There's friction in medical, you know, in what what stops a doctor making the shift to functional medicine, right? There's all kinds of friction. There's the education, all the money that they put in to get their degree. There's the, you know, the systems that keep them practicing in a certain way, health insurance, whatever. You know, from a patient point of view, there's a lot of friction, like actually doing the healthy behaviors is hard and behavior change is hard. Um, there's this whole, you know, control grid paradigm of reinforcement that like medicine is like this and you take drugs and you, you know, you don't do lifestyle. And if we, you know, needed any more obvious example of that, it's COVID, right? Where still a year and a half into it, no one's talking about nutrition, even though everyone in our community knows that nutrition plays a huge role in your resilience and your immunity. You know, so there's friction for patients, there's friction for doctors, and then there's friction for systemic change. Right. If you look at something like the Cleveland Clinic, which is, you know, had the biggest shift where they've really modeled functional medicine growth and done some incredible stuff. I mean, that's a seven year project so far. It includes an 18,000 square foot build out of a facility. It includes publication in JAMA and the British Medical Journal and, and a whole research protocol in order to have the information come in in a quality that it could be sent over. So that's just like, that's a heavy lift. And there's no way that a regular doctor is doing that in their practice. And so, you know, ultimately through my work, since you know building the functional forum at every level it's been like how do we reduce the friction right how do we reduce the friction for doctors to make the switch to functional medicine and we created this concept called the functional micro practice which one of the big points of friction was capital right does a doctor have enough capital to start the practice that they want and so we found a way to help reduce the amount of capital needed to start a new practice by doing telemedicine and not investing so much in physical location or staff by having technology do most of it but then for patients what is the friction in patients to suddenly do a diet differently or to start to meditate or to get on an exercise regime and stick to it all the things that are sort of prerequisites for this medicine to work and that's what led me to groups ultimately because i feel like groups are the most effective way of reducing friction in the patient aspect so I think if I look at your journey, and, and and I know you're not even mentioning a quarter of the work that you've done and the initiatives you've done, you've every time you kind of initiate something or build something, it's usually to try and reduce the friction of one of the problems that we're facing. So let's, I mean, let's fast forward a bit because I know that at the moment you're doing some incredible work around group and I have a new company called Heal Community. I think what excites me most about the work you're doing at the moment and this has come up a lot with other guests, is this kind of binary relationship between the functional medicine community and the primary care community. And I had a fantastic conversation with Terry Wells, where she was saying, you know, we're not adversaries. We're not on opposite sides. And if we can't figure out how to work with kind of allopathic, traditional kind of primary care medicine, we're never going to, to change the paradigm. And I know that that's part of the work that you're doing at the moment. So maybe you could just share a little bit about the work that Heal Community is doing and why it's such a shift in what we're currently doing that is going to solve some of the problems that you've just kind of raised with us. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, in my second book, The Community Cure, I sort of made the assertion, I guess, that functional medicine delivers but in groups was the structure that was both efficient enough, effective enough and scalable enough in order to like really, you know, create health at a big enough scale in order, you know, to really see the shift that we're looking to, to share. 
But what I saw, what I came to recognize is that actually practicing medicine in groups, there's a ton of friction around that too, right? Because if you've been trained to do things one-on-one, you have to shift a group. If you've been a doctor and you've been an expert your whole life, now becoming a facilitator is like an opposite skill basically. And then never mind all the friction with like getting a room and, you know, getting all the people together and learning about it. And the biggest point of friction of all time is COVID because you can't even put people in a room together for the last 18 months. Alcoholics Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, all of those things decimated through COVID because people can't sit in rooms together. The whole structure of what we know works for behavior change, which is group, just destroyed overnight. So ultimately, you know, we started a journey to think about, you know, what would it look like to do groups online? And is there some upside in doing it online that we don't expect? Just like there were some upsides in telemedicine that people didn't really expect. And we started, as soon as COVID hit, we started uh, working on it. And over the last year, we have discovered a few things. One, the outcomes from functional medicine groups are spectacular, right? We see in the first 131 patients that we have, we see 75% of people with fatigue experience a reduction in fatigue, same with depression, 72% for sleep issues, 60% for anxiety, even improvements in like ability to participate in social things. So, you know, we have those outcomes and, you know, we can show that in like 12 to 24 weeks in that group run by a health coach, all delivered virtually by our team, we can execute that. But the key thing about the HEAL community and why I believe it's by far the best thing that I've ever done and by far the thing that can really facilitate this shift at a scale that we've never seen before is the model. And the model is we end up partnering with doctors who bill insurance in America and they prescribe the group and then we execute the group. And the reason why it's a really powerful model is this. Doctors who haven't trained in functional medicine may not know the solution, right? Functional medicine, but they do understand the problem, right? They understand that patients are lonely, patients aren't doing the healthy behaviors, patients are having a hard time making behavior changes, patients aren't taking their medication properly. All of these kind of like adherence issues and connection issues, the doctor knows that. It's just the doctor doesn't have anything to prescribe them that solves that. And, you know, there's a lot of friction in that. So all we need is doctors who understand the scope of the problem. And then if they could have a solution where they could prescribe it and they could make money from it, right? If this is a more profitable than prescribing drugs, now we've got the incentives lined up for a real transformation. And that's what Heal Community does. So right now we are partnered with doctors, nurse practitioners, clinics, health systems in America that bill insurance. You know, the doctor prescribes the program. We execute the whole program soup to nuts. So we have the coaches, we have the programming, we have the technology, we have the data, uh, we have the customer service, we have the, you know, all the tech support. We do everything. And then essentially the doctor bills the insurance for it. And then we just split the money. So it's, there's, there's sort of partnership income for the clinics. You know, we're getting paid to do what we do. And ultimately we can now work with Medicare, Medicaid and commercial insurance in a way that functional medicine has not really been able to do up until now. And the most, most, most exciting thing of all, Yael, which I know you'll be excited about this just because, you know, I think we, we care about the same things. Just this week, we hired a four doctor rheumatology group 
no functional medicine, one doctor out of there that was interested in nutrition. And now they're starting to run groups for their rheumatology patients. And like, they don't need to know anything else. They don't need to go to IFM. They don't need to go through years of training. They don't need to have the, you know, humility to realize that like, they don't know all of the tools to help with rheumatological conditions, specifically autoimmune ones that may be able to be mediated through diet. They don't need to know that. All they just need to know is that they can prescribe a biological, which is really expensive for the patient and, you know, is not really like a great long-term solution, or they could prescribe this 24-week group and have a group of patients together, change their diet, you know, adopt an anti-inflammatory lifestyle and see themselves get better over a period of time. And now we have something that not only is the model is right, but it's also scalable. Like we could do a million groups next year. No problem. You know, the technology scales, Zoom scales, and we could hire as many coaches as we need because there's tons of coaches out there that want to do this work. And we have a you know training program ready to go. So for the first time in my career, and this is 16 years into it, I finally feel like we have a solution where the scale meets the need. And everything right. else that I've done up until then, like getting doctors to switch to functional medicine and building a micro practice in Billings, Montana, like it just isn't the scale. It can't work at the scale needed to solve a problem. And so that's why I'm I'm super, super psyched about Heal Community. And as you say, it addresses all the issues that we were talking about. And it's a win, 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 as many times I can say that, because the, the primary care doctor or the rheumatologist benefits because they don't have to be an expert in nutrition and lifestyle and meditation and behavioral change. The patient wins because they get a really, really effective that we know that works program that really helps them change their behavior. They get healthier. They do it with health insurance and they connect with other people in the same situation. So we, we get that connection, that healing community, which we know is a huge part of healing. And practitioners on our side win because they get to really have an impact on these patients and be able to scale. So I completely agree with you. I think it's the best model that I've heard in a very long time. And what it does do is it brings together these two worlds of kind of traditional healthcare and what we've been kind of banging our head against wall, which is how do we scale functional medicine and functional nutrition and put it in the hands of every patient. So I'm super excited for you, James. I do agree with you that this is probably of all the things you've done, although I suspect that everything that you've done leads on this road, that they all were a part of the journey that led you down to this. So and I'm very excited to see how it scales and very excited to, and looking forward to working with you in the future as well. So that brings me to my question. Of course, this is a power of genetics podcast, and I would be remiss not to bring it back to genetics. So, and, and I don't think it's very far off because we've been talking about group. And as you know, um, you and I talk about it a lot about how we don't only see group as a solution for patients. We are seeing it as a solution for practitioners as well. So we're instituting as well. We were trying to work out how do you scale mentorship? How do you get practitioners to connect with each other and learn from each other and then learn from mentors because doing it on a one-on-one -on -one basis is also not scalable. So the other side is how do we bring like genetics into a group environment? This has obviously been a conversation we've been talking about. So let's just touch a little bit on your idea and your perception of what role you think genetics is going to play in this kind of new healthcare or this new paradigm, new model that you're building out. Because it's always been almost the critique of genetics, right? That it's an N of one 
kind of science that's really kind of for the affluent, the wealthy, and and those that can afford kind of personalized medicine. So let's bring it down into the work you're doing. Yeah. So I guess the paradox that I kind of identified in in my book, and this is from many conversations with people like you know Jeff Bland and others, is that you know, group structure is actually the only way to scale personalized medicine. And it's a paradox because obviously when you think about group, you think everyone doing it the same and it's not individualized. But in that book, I shared many ways in which very individualized medicine like functional medicine and genomic medicine can be delivered in a group. And all it needs is a simple way of communicating to each patient, you know, what their individual protocol is. And, you know, you can either do that by investing time with a functional medicine doctor to do like lab testing or whatever, or you can do a three by four genetics panel, which gives you, you know, very simply laid out like where your physiological strengths and weaknesses are genetically. Right. And then like lifestyle and diet and all these other pieces that are unique. Now you could sit in a room with 16 other people and have your test in front of you and you can, it's actually really reinforces the community by knowing that your results aren't the same as everyone else. It reinforces the paradigm of individuality because never before have you ever heard what anyone else's plan is and people volunteer that into the group and they say well my three foods that I need to be staying away from are this this and this and the other person's like well mine are this this and this because over the years there's been so many scams where people would say oh we'll give you an individualized plan and then it's actually exactly the same for everyone not in genetics but just in the world and so, you know, for people to actually see that, wow, these are all different and my things are different. And if I do what's good for me and if this person does what's good for them, it's good. And the other piece that's reinforcing about the group is that, you know, if Sonia in the group does all the things on her three by four genetics plan and gets better, like, does that make me want to do what's on Sonia's plan or does that make me want to do what's on my plan? Right. And that's that's the power of the group that you can't create without the group is that mm-hmm. certain patients will not be inspired to participate by a patriarchal figure, right? Most patients are inspired to participate by people just like them. And medicine is not just like their medicine. Medicine is patriarchal. There's the God complex. There's that like power dynamic between the patient and the doctor that has been that was, you know, well suited for acute disease and is totally off for chronic disease. And so ultimately what the group creates is a structure where people, you know, learn from each other, get inspired by each other. And that is why the group model is the only model that gets us where we want to go. Very exciting time. So let's round up. Let's take the scenario. We, we're starting out in the group and not starting out. You've been doing it for some time now. Let's just fast forward a little bit and let's close with an idea of where do you think we're going to land up? You know, what does the future of medicine look like playing out that you at Hale Community have a a million groups playing happening next year? What can we look forward to in medicine that really is going to change the way that we're seeing healthcare? Well, look, I mean, I, I can't really speak for anyone else but myself. Like I see the trends that are happening in general, and I see a lot of interesting trends happening across all kinds of sectors of, of medicine. But, you know, what I'm going to be really focused on is finding ways where we can partner with serious organizations with serious scale, that have patients. Like one of the most exciting trends I see is that 
more and more, the healthcare organizations that deliver healthcare are going to get paid on how well they can keep people rather than how many services they can deliver. And at that moment, when that switches, you know, then the group is the most obvious choice of all, right? Because the, mm. it's just so damn efficient, right? Because you've got one practitioner with 17 people and 17 people are supporting each other and getting better. So my hope is that as this shift starts to occur and, you know, other countries already have that model, like in the UK where I was brought up, it's a, it's the government who's paying. And so if you can save money, it's a great win. And so ultimately I'm excited excited to find as many avenues as possible to create if you take a step back there's a new layer of care that exists between people in community and the healthcare system now who delivers that layer of care how it's delivered what organizations do it whether organizations do it themselves like cleveland clinic ultimately my thesis is and what i would love to see and what i'm going to be perpetuating is that everyone has access to this layer of care. And in this layer of care, people are introduced to each other and people as a group start to adopt healthy behaviors. And that is the future that I'm betting on. And ultimately, you know, my vision here for the next 10 years is to give everyone who wants access to that kind of care access. Wow, well, I couldn't have said it better. Thank you, James. I think that's a great place to, to end off. I'm really excited to see Heal Community grow. Very excited to see the proliferation of all these groups, to be involved in it and to be able to be part of the story where we are able to bring genetics to a greater population and get it away from this idea that it's only suitable for N of one. And hopefully we'll be working the journey together. So thank you again. Really appreciate the time and looking forward to the next year. All right. Thanks, Al. Thanks for the time and look forward to uh, what's next for all of us. Thank you for listening to the Power of Genetics podcast, brought to you by 3x4 Genetics. For more episodes, please visit 3x4genetics.com slash podcast. And if you are a licensed health practitioner who would like to apply to join our network of over 1,000 like-minded visionary practitioners, please visit 3x4genetics.com slash apply.